Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Imagine wielding so much power that if someone wants to become Prime Minister, they know they have to get your approval first. That's the kind of power that media mogul Rupert Murdoch holds. And despite being exposed for criminal activity, persisting the spread of conspiracy theories and false news, he still holds on to that power. But for how long? Today, we look at the life and influence of an ageing Rupert Murdoch and how a former Australian PM wants to shine a light into the darkest depths of the Murdoch empire. Former Australian Prime Minister Kevin Rudd has had enough of Rupert Murdoch. Murdoch's just gone too far. If you look every day at the Australian and around Australia, the Daily Telegraph, the Melbourne Herald Sun, the Brisbane Courier-Mail, the Adelaide Advertiser as well as the Hobart Mercury, and right up the Queensland coast. Not only does Murdoch own a monopoly, 70% of all print readership in Australia, 100% in Queensland, he now increasingly uses the monopoly in a highly partisan fashion, and particularly in climate change denial. So therefore, I've reached a conclusion, enough's enough, and it's time for the people to speak out. And he's not the only one. His petition calling for a royal commission to ensure a strong, diverse Australian news media amassed over 500,000 signatures before its closing date on November 4. It was so popular that it crashed the parliamentary website on the first weekend it was launched. So how did it get to this point? Just how powerful is the Murdoch media empire? Rupert Murdoch was born Keith Rupert Murdoch in Melbourne in 1931. His dad, Sir Keith Murdoch, owned newspapers in Adelaide, a radio station, and was chairman of the Herald and Weekly Times Publishing Company. But Sir Keith died suddenly from a short battle with cancer, the same year Rupert graduated from Oxford. The 21-year-old was left with just one newspaper, The News in Adelaide, after his father's stake in the Herald was liquidated to pay taxes. From there, he began to expand, buying papers in several Australian states, changing their formats to include more sport and scandal, creating what we now know as a tabloid newspaper. He then started to buy interests in papers in New Zealand before launching the first national daily newspaper, The Australian, in 1964. With this national publication, Rupert's influence really started to show. Stories would side with certain politicians, influencing how the Australian public felt about issues. He's credited with helping Gough Whitlam become the Prime Minister. He moved to England after buying the now infamous News of the World, which would later become the centre of a global scandal when it was revealed that journalists were tapping the phones of royals, celebrities and members of the public, including that of a young girl who'd been murdered, deleting voicemails that led police and her family to believe that she was still alive. 
He also expanded into the United States, becoming a US citizen in the late 80s after buying the New York Post and New York Magazine. He moved into television, purchasing a stake in 20th Century Fox and in the UK, B-Sky-B. Murdoch's Fox News is credited with helping Donald Trump get into office. He has interests in oil and gas companies, book publishing houses and record labels. He bought MySpace in 2005 for $580 million, only to sell it a few years later for much, much less. He even once tried to buy Manchester United Football Club, but was blocked by the UK Competition Commission. A recent documentary by the BBC showed how Murdoch would throw his support behind politicians who would in return be more lenient on media ownership laws, allowing his empire to continue to expand. Over the years, his executives have been so intimately entwined with government officials that former UK Prime Minister Tony Blair is the godfather of one of his former employees, Rebecca Brooks's children, the executive involved in the phone hacking scandal. Her colleague Andy Coulson, who was found guilty of conspiracy to intercept voicemails and sentenced to 18 months in prison, also worked as Prime Minister David Cameron's Director of Communications up until his arrest. The documentary revealed how closely Rupert Murdoch worked with UK Prime Ministers. Some spoke to him more regularly than their own staff. Mr Rudd says he was also one of those Prime Ministers who went to Murdoch to ask for better coverage, but that it's gotten much worse since then. When I was leader of the opposition, I made no bones about the fact of going to see Murdoch to try and get what was then an 80-20 negative coverage for the Labor Party back to something closer to 50-50 as we got to the 2007 election campaign. My mission was to get my party elected. In the decades since I left office, what was then a big problem of, let's call it, an 80-20, 70-30 problem in terms of media balance has now turned into 100-0. Anyone who reads the Australian media closely knows that it's become a far deeper, broader problem than what we had a decade ago. As far as his personal life, Rupert Murdoch has six children from three marriages. Prudence, the eldest, who was born in Adelaide, then Elizabeth, Lachlan and James from his second marriage, and finally teenagers Grace and Chloe, who are the daughters of Wendy Deng, who he married just 17 days after divorcing Anna Torv. He's also stepfather to his latest wife, Jerry Hall's four children she had while married to Mick Jagger. Elizabeth used to work for her father's company, but has now invested in the global production and development company Sister, which produced the TV show Chernobyl last year. Prudence and Lachlan still work for their dad, and so did James, until very recently. In breaking news, James Murdoch, the younger son of media mogul Rupert Murdoch, is resigning from News Corp's board of directors. In a filing to US regulators, he blamed disagreements over both editorial content and strategic decisions. It's believed James was tipped to be the one to take over from Rupert when he does eventually either give up the reins or pass away. But with that up in the air, what happens now is still being debated. Associate Professor David McKnight has studied the media mogul and written the book Rupert Murdoch, An Investigation of Political Power. David, we know Mr Murdoch has a lot of money and a lot of power, but which one do you think he wants more of? Well, I think his money gives him the access to power and influence. I guess a lot of critics say he's only interested in money as a way of dragging him down, but he also wants influence and respect. He wants influence in the national politics of Australia, but also America and Britain. And he does this through his media organisations. So he really wants both money and power. Can he really influence who gets into power and who stays there? And if he can, how does telling stories about them actually do that? 
Well, I think this becomes very clear at election time. Robert Murdoch's newspapers are either supportive or they run campaigns against political leaders and political parties. I guess for me, one of the most vivid examples of this was before the 2013 election and the front page of the Sunday Telegraph in Sydney had a big photo of Tony Abbott with the headline, We Need Tony. I've never seen anything quite so blatant, but he exercises that power through his media in ways like that. And he does this through choosing editors who agree with him. And one of the results is political leaders fear him and fear his intervention. We have seen people who work for Rupert Murdoch, editors, journalists, be charged for their conduct in attempting to get the story. How often do we think Rupert Murdoch and his staff might be breaking the rules to get the story? Well, it's certainly true that he pushes the boundaries and wants to break rules. One of his key editors, Cole Allen, once said, we're pirates, by which he meant, I guess, he was portraying the Murdoch organisation as a group of rebels, romantic rule breakers, and so on. But of course, pirates in the real world are quite dangerous and ruthless people. And you could see that when it turned out some years ago, it was discovered in Britain that his journalists were bugging the phones of sports stars and celebrities and anyone who opposed them. And the police were protecting them. And as a result of that, Rupert Murdoch closed his Sunday newspaper, News of the World, because it broke the rules that got caught. Now, he seems to back the more conservative agenda. Just do you think he actually believes in the things that these conservative commentators working for his TV shows, conservative journalists who write for his papers, does he also believe that way or does that simply serve a purpose for him to push that agenda? I think he's a deeply conservative man. I think he believes it. I mean, he has a sort of rough and ready pragmatic side to him that can make you think that he's not interested in political ideas, but I think he is. He's very public in what he says about politics, which is unusual in a businessman. He's quite a unique character, but he is interested in conservatism and he has a long history of donating to conservative think tanks in Australia, the United States and Britain. And he sat on the board of some of these think tanks. So he has a long-term commitment to conservative politics, that's for sure. Now, Malcolm Turnbull, in signing Kevin Rudd's petition, has said that Rupert Murdoch's media empire played an integral role in removing him as the Prime Minister of Australia. Is that true? And has he had a hand in removing other leaders, Julie Gillard, for example, from their positions of leadership? Yes, he has. And I remember reading The Australian when Malcolm Turnbull was the Prime Minister, and I could see that the newspaper was taking every opportunity to have a pot shot at Malcolm Turnbull. It just occurred to me that that's what was going on. And that's what Turnbull later confirmed, that essentially one wing of Malcolm Turnbull's own party, which disliked him, was feeding material and encouraging the news corporation newspapers to oppose the very man that they'd elected as Prime Minister. In the case of Julia Gillard, Rupert Murdoch's newspapers ran a long campaign against her and her government around the carbon tax 
I mean, there have been long-time climate change deniers, but because Gillard brought in a carbon tax, which had a terrific effect for just a short period in terms of lowering carbon emissions, every opportunity was taken to run negative stories and to highlight statements by the opposition that, for instance, Wyala would close down because of the carbon tax and so on and so forth. To anyone in politics, you could see that he was running a campaign against Julia Gillard. And there's also personal stuff about her former boyfriend who was accused of union corruption and so on and so forth. Is Rupert Murdoch's influence and power at its height now? Is it declining? Is it increasing? It's hard to say. I mean, he's going to be on the planet for a few more years. And I know he's still taking part in the discussions about what his media does and so on. I mean, we've talked a lot about his newspapers. But of course, in the United States, he has Fox News, which is a very profitable, very powerful, very influential cable channel. And it's been up to its ears in, first of all, opposing Donald Trump and then supporting him as president. And then now it appears that it's changing. And and Rupert would have been involved involved in all of that. So I think he's still powerful now. I think the best way to see his power on global issues is to look at things like the ill-fated invasion of Iraq, where his media in London, New York and Australia all campaigned in support of George W. Bush's invasion of Iraq. And all sorts of things were said that were shown to be false about Saddam Hussein having nuclear weapons and so on and so forth. But that's when he really wants to campaign. The other issue is climate change, and his media in Australia have been the biggest source of climate denial over the last couple of decades, and that hasn't been an accident, no matter how he denies it. He provides a platform for people who write just absurd articles in the way that they handle the science of climate change. So that's how you can say he's still powerful, he still takes part, and I'm sure he wants to be around for as long as possible. Kevin Rudd knows he's up against it, taking on the Murdoch empire. We've already seen it unfold in real time. Murdoch papers accusing him of having links to pedophile Jeffrey Epstein, of being involved in shady deals, of employing Bangladeshi bots to get signatures on his petition, of using that petition to harvest data. He's been called bitter and accused of having irrelevancy syndrome. But he says he's ready for whatever's thrown at him. There is a culture of fear across our country. That is... The unspoken conversation uh, between the political class, among corporate elites, even among academic elites, is along these lines. Never criticise the Murdoch media. Because if you do, they'll launch an immediate campaign to destroy your character, to destroy the reputation of your institution. And as a BBC documentary only a month or so ago found in an interview with a former Murdoch editor, it's like having a full division of the SS dispatched to destroy your character, referring to what News Limited would do to their political opponents in the UK. So yes, I've thought all that through. And for those who follow this debate closely, they would have seen that over the last month or so, uh, there has been a a massive amount of um, personal uh, smear and attack on me personally, and to some extent on Malcolm Turnbull, who has signed this petition as well. To give the ABC credit, Media Watch has collated all of that. But the bottom line is, I've got uh, a thick skin. Others who are joining me in this campaign have a thick skin, but why are we even having this conversation? Isn't it odd that we seem to fear the same victimization from a media monopoly as people crying out for democracy fear in a one-party state with only one media outlet in town, namely the state-owned media? It's got to that in Australia almost. 
And Kevin Rudd also has this message for those who hold power here in Australia right now, that if they don't look at the increasing influence of this media monopoly, we're at risk of devolving into what we've seen happen in the US under the leadership of Donald Trump. Malcolm Turnbull, not a friend of mine, a political adversary, when he lost the prime ministership in 2017, we know from the public record that this is a direct result of Rupert Murdoch interfering in the internal politics of the Liberal Party. This is a matter of now documentary record. So this is not a question of what I would do or could have done or should have done or would do now if I was Prime Minister, or what Malcolm Turnbull would do under the same circumstances. What you now have is a cross-party bipartisan view from many of us who've experienced this media mafioso tactics by the Murdoch empire. Across parties, we are now saying, It is time to act because the problem has got worse. And I think it is time for anyone in the political hot seat at the moment to look at the long-term interests of the nation here. You see, when I've used the term in this campaign so far, that Murdoch is a cancer on our democracy and has become one, I don't use the term lightly. And the problem with cancers on democracy is that sometimes they can be fatal. And that's what I'm concerned about in the long term for our democracy. What we need is a diversity of opinion in our media. What we also need is a common factual base for reporting so that we have a common factual basis for a national conversation. I'll tell you what the alternative is. Murdoch's already 10 to 20 years down the track with this in America. It's called Fox News. And Fox News' surrogate in Australia is Sky News. That's where he wants to take Australia into a nation of warring tribes where fact converges with opinion. We no longer know what the objective facts are so that we have the absurdity in contemporary America that more than 40% of the country refused to wear masks in the middle of a pandemic because they've been encouraged to do so by various commentators on the Fox News network. What a disgrace. Unfortunately for Mr Rudd's petition here in Australia, we have no threshold of signatures, no magic number that's reached that will automatically require it to be debated in Parliament. Without support from the Liberal National Party or Labor, People in power who still need the media to be in their favour, a royal commission into Murdoch's monopoly may never happen. That's the quickie for today. This episode was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, with audio production by Ian Camilleri and guest booking by Mel Zauer. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.